0: That movie sucked. I kind of liked it.
1: Movie night crew network.
0: The door opened and in came Snape. He was carrying a goblet, which was smoking faintly and stopped at the sight of Harry, his black eyes narrowing. Ah, Severus, said Lupin, smiling. Thanks very much. Could you leave it here on the desk for me? Snape set the smoking goblet down, his eyes wandering between Harry and Lupin. I was just showing Harry my grindy low, said Lupin pleasantly, pointing at the tank. Fascinating, said Snape, without looking at it. You should drink that directly, Lupin. Yes, yes, I will, said Lupin. I made an entire cauldron full, Snape continued, if you need more. I should probably take some again tomorrow. Thanks very much, Severus. Not at all, said Snape, but there was a look in his eye Harry didn't like. He backed out of the room, unsmiling and watchful. Harry looked curiously at the goblet. Lupin smiled. Professor Snape has very kindly concocted a potion for me, he said. I have never been much of a potion brewer, and this one is particularly complex. He picked up the goblet and sniffed it. Pity sugar makes it useless, he added, taking a sip and shuddering. Why? Harry began. Lupin looked at him and answered the unfinished question. I've been feeling a bit off color, he said. This potion is the only thing that helps. I am very lucky to be working alongside Professor Snape. There aren't many wizards who are up to making it. Professor Lupin took another sip, and Harry had a mad urge to knock the goblet out of his hands. Professor Snape's very interested in the dark arts, he blurted out. Really, said Lupin, looking only mildly interested as he took another gulp of potion. Some people reckon Harry hesitated, then plunged recklessly on. Some people reckon he'd do anything to get the defense against the dark arts job. Lupin drained the goblet and pulled a face. Disgusting, he said. Well, Harry, I'd better get back to work. I'll see you at the feast later. Right, said Harry, putting his empty teacup down. The empty goblet was still smoking. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with the generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about today Chapter 8 The Flight of the Fat Lady. This chapter starts with a bit of a classes montage to get us into the fall term. Everyone likes Defense Against the Dark Arts, Harry hates potions and divination, and kind of no one likes care of magical creatures. We um, get reminded that Quidditch is a thing, it's Oliver Wood's seventh year, and he's like very desperate for Gryffindor to win the House Cup. Everyone gets really excited when the first Hogsmeade weekend is announced, um, except Harry obviously. Crookshanks chases Scabbers, and Ron and Hermione have a bit of a fight about it. Lavender Brown finds out that her rabbit died and it's October 16th. And this is the thing she's been dreading. Is Professor Trelawney really psychic? We'll never know. And then Harry asks Professor McGonagall if she can sign his permission form, which of course she can't because she's lawful and also because someone's trying to murder him specifically. So on Halloween, Ron and Hermione go off to Hogsmeade. Harry's kind of just like wandering around the castle, avoiding people he doesn't want to talk to. He encounters... Professor Lupin, who invites him in for some tea, and they just kind of, like, chit-chat. Snape brings Lupin a goblet of potion that Lupin drinks. He says he's been feeling under the weather. Um, Harry recommends against that and starts, like, blurting a bunch of stuff about how Professor Snape's into the dark arts and stuff. Later, Ron and Hermione get back from – they have brought Harry a lot of sweets from Honeydukes. They go down to the Halloween feast. Oh, yeah, it's Halloween. I don't know if I said that. It's Halloween – They go down to the feast. It's great. The feast is great. And then when they try to go back to the common room afterwards, there's a crowd outside the Gryffindor common room. No one can get inside. Percy, head boy, is on the case and he calls for Professor Dumbledore. And we finally get a glimpse of the fat lady's portrait, which has been slashed. And Peeves is kind of like bouncing around and he tells everyone that It was Sirius Black trying to gain entrance to the Gryffindor common room to murder Harry, specifically. (music) Welcome to the restricted section. It's me, Captain Christina. This is it. This is our one shot. We've tried before and we've failed time after time. And now this is my last hope. Um, I'm not really sure if we can do this. We've never done it before. Um, but we have to at least literally try. Go Gryffindor. <laughs> that was um, yeah. Thank you so much. That's my Oliver Wood pep talk. <laughs> Welcome well to done. the restricted section. I'm your host Christina. I'm feeling pumped. Yeah, I mean, right? <laughs> Our fearless leader. It's me. I'm the fearless leader. <laughs> Mary Payton, what's going on? What are you doing?
2: Oh, I'm I'm on a podcast. I guess that's true. (laughs) Yeah. But in general, I'm hanging in there. Brooke, how about you? How have you been? Oh,
0: you know. Oh, we can't hear you. You can't hear me at all. Oh, it just came back. I don't know why.
1: Okay.
0: Am Uh, I good now? Yeah. Okay,
1: Okay, cool. Pretty consistent. We're good. We're getting all of this. You're You're hearing the sonorous, honey sweet tones of my voice coming (laughs) through the mic into your ears. Salted tones. I'm Brick Matherly. Thank you for joining us on the restricted section this evening. I appreciate having all of you here, and I'm ready to dive deep into this book.
3: (gasps) Whoa, I got goosebumps.
2: a little bit turned on a little bit turned on yeah it went from
1: it went from studious to sexual pretty quickly <laughs> thank there's you there's a fine line that's the line i walk as a raven claw
4: <laughs> man that is that's
1: it yeah as a busty raven claw i walk the line between studious and sexy because i'm fine i walk the line <laughs>
0: Wow. Anyway, (laughs) I'm really excited for our special guest today is Nav from A Song of Ice and Fire Symposium. Hello, Nav.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here and talk Harry Potter. Ah,
0: (laughs) We're excited to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about your Harry Potter history? When did you start reading the books? When did you start watching the movies?
3: Well, I was one of those terrible people that was like, I'm above Harry Potter. You it folks happens. are nerds and it's, you know, I was that person. I'm I'm ashamed of it, not proud. But my best friend, my co-host on my podcast actually sat me down one day and was we just like, "Read the first chapter. That that's all I ask." And I read the first chapter and I was instantly hooked. And then for whatever crazy reason, I went and watched the first two movies. Like, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> after the after just the first chapter? Uh, yes. I don't know why. Like, I don't (laughs) know why I didn't continue reading. You wanted
1: it, like, more quickly than you could possibly read it. Do you Um, just hate surprises?
3: No, I like surprises. I don't know. I think Uh, I was She has a Game of
0: Thrones podcast, so she likes (laughs) surprises.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was hard for me to get through that second book because the second movie was like such a drag and I knew what was going to happen and you know that's was just, true like, getting through it but then once I got to like the third and the fourth book whoo it really took off I think I read the last four-ish books in two weeks something like that Wow! because every waking second I was just reading it was oh it was such a thrill I loved it I miss having so little
0: to do in my life that I could just read for, like, days <laughs> at a know. time and, like, not even worry about what else I should probably be doing.
3: Yeah. I don't find those books now as often as I used to when yeah. I would just find the book and I couldn't put it down. Now when I read, it's like, oh, you know, I have to do go do this or do that or I have to go to work. Such, such terrible life we're leading without these books. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: More time to read. That's all I want. Yes. Just four hours a day. Four more hours yeah. a day. That's all I ask. If you
0: had four designated hours of reading a day, you could get through some
3: stuff. Yeah, Definitely. Because this, like the chapter we read, it was like maybe half an hour and you could read like a book a day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um. So what Hogwarts house are you?
3: I am Ravenclaw, although I think, like, most people have qualities from more than one house. Um, Definitely. I think I'm also a bit of a Slytherin and a Gryffindor. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Hufflepuff, like, I can't really chill as much. I'm not a very relaxed, laid-back person. (laughs) I'm very, like, tense. Um, But I do like to nap and eat. So, you know, I've got those qualities.
0: (laughs) Hell yeah. Yep, that's that's all you need to be a, a good Hufflepuff. (laughs) so before we get started today just a quick announcement the podcast now has a reddit uh a reddit a subreddit Cool. Wait. Okay. Can you tell I'm not on Reddit? <laughs>
2: yeah, same.
0: The the podcast has a subreddit. It's a su- It has a subreddit. We now have a subreddit, and that subreddit. Do you say it like r slash restricted
1: section pod? Is that what it is? You can just say restricted. They all have the r slash, so you can just say the the title of the subreddit. But
0: people say www.worldwideweb.com. com.
1: I will say that it is caps sensitive, so oh. it's worth mentioning if it's lower all lowercase. Interesting. Well, we have
0: a subreddit, and it is restricted section pod, all one word, no capitals, which is how old people describe their email addresses to me, and I'm like, I know, I know, it's all one
1: word, no capitals. I am very well aware that that's how your email address looks.
0: <laughs> Thanks to listener Jim for setting that up, and if you're on Reddit, go there for discourse. So let's get into it. This chapter is The Flight of the Fat Lady, which I love chapters that are structured like this, where the thing that is the name of the chapter happens at the end. So you're like waiting for it the whole time. You're like, oh,
2: I know it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially since she a couple of different times Harry goes through the portrait hole and we specifically talk to or hear from the fat lady. So you're you're kind of waiting for it through the whole thing.
0: Yeah, he goes in and out of the common room and she's sleeping. She, like, had to be asleep because otherwise there's no reason to, like, note her, you know, if he's just, like, breezing on through. Right. Remind her she exists. Yeah, she exists just as a reminder. The... Fat lady is like, you get a lot more like little details about her in the book, but I love her in the movies. She's so dramatic. And she has that like elaborate bit with trying to break the glass. Yeah. her like singing. It's just like so good. I'm like, but just my voice.
3: They did a good job with those paintings. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end, I think like this part of the movie, isn't she like hiding behind a hippopotamus or something? Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. So I have a note here. I guess my notes aren't in order Um, because I have a note here that I have recently decided to stop asking people how they are at the beginning of episodes because that's rude.
1: And, and also it doesn't
4: matter.
0: It doesn't matter. We're <laughs> like a year into a pandemic. Um, So I have a note here. Instead of asking how people are, ask what kind of painting they'd like to be immortalized in.
1: Ooh, Ooh. I like that as a question. I think for me, it would probably be like a beach It depends on how much I can feel my environment, Hmm. because, like, I would love to be in, like, a cool, like, cozy cabin with, like, scenic mountain snow-capped vistas, Mm -hmm. but I will say that I have no interest in doing that if I have to feel cold all the time.
0: (laughs) Right. I think that was my appeal for the beach. I was like, that sounds nice. Yeah. And the thing with the beach is I have a hard time leaving the beach and being sticky and sandy. But if you just stay Stay, at the beach, it doesn't become an issue.
3: (laughs) That's true. Mm -hmm. What about you, Nav? Um, You know, both of you, like uh, when you said immortalized in a painting, you said beach and uh, cottage. But for me, I was like, oh, what kind of a person am I? I was like just a blob on a white canvas because like that's how like my anxiety shows up in my head sometimes um so that's what first came to mind but after I heard your answers I think like a uh, library like my personal library with all my favorite books and I know it's like
0: about be- like a beauty and the beast library but like yes. with your books and I it. was
3: like fantasizing about like what kind of library I would like to have if I could have any library and I was thinking you know those like a window seat but circular and it's like you can sit and lay oh. and be comfortable uh, I, was oh my God, I just want to sit there all day every day so
1: like a thomas kincaid puzzle version of a library
3: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's amazing so that <laughs> It's like, I know
1: Thomas
0: Kincaid just does paintings. He doesn't intend them for puzzles, but like they are puzzles.
1: <laughs> I don't understand why you would purchase one of his paintings when puzzle options exist.
0: So. My, my mom, when I was a kid, always had a Thomas Kincaid planner. Oh, cool. For family stuff, you know. Just yeah, like there's the
2: like calendars and, and greeting cards and... <laughs> so many options. So many <laughs> options for Thomas Kincaid. What about you, Mary? Um, well, y'all kind of took all of my favorite ones, so I you can't can say those copy. anymore. No, okay. I'm my own oh. person. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't need any of y'all. Um, no, I really love, like, my favorite environment that I've been in, at least, would be, like, that dry, arid kind of, like, like, um, have y'all been to the Grand Canyon?
4: hmm
2: Okay, no, so, but... it's just, like, it's, like, dirty, but you're meant to be dirty. You know, like, I love
3: hiking, like, when it's like so not my kind of person. And so, Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm I'm the person that stays inside and never leaves. <laughs> Man,
2: you're an indoor kid. Good That's for you, though. <laughs> my cat, my cats are also indoor only. I mean, I'm in this painting. I also have some books with me so that I can <laughs> oh, stop and read whenever okay. I want to. Obviously, we
0: can get along. My beach painting has books. Okay. right. right. <laughs> well, let's get into the chapters. So. This chapter starts with a bit of a classic montage to get us into fall, get us into the fall term. School is happening. We're going to classes. We're going to Defense Against the Dark Arts. Everyone loves it, except Malfoy, but fuck him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We get like a little like tie-in dig right at the start of the chapter where Malfoy says that Professor Lupin dresses like our old house elf.
3: Oh and I'm yeah! Just
1: imagining him like dagger, staring that in Harry's direction. Not <laughs> written in the text, and yet it's
2: like a mashup. I just love that. Like he even bullies the. I don't love it, but he even bullies the professors.
1: Oh yeah,
2: okay. and, and, and like he said, he says that in a loud whisper as Lupin passes. Like he means for the professor to
1: hear it. Yeah, yeah. but like, so here's the thing. And I say this as someone who is inherently not an educator. Maybe I'm totally off base. But if you can't handle middle schoolers making fun <laughs> of you, like teaching isn't for you. Wow.
0: Well, I used to be a substitute teacher and middle schoolers were my favorite because you they'll, they'll sass you and you sass them right back and they're like, oh shit. And then you sass them back <laughs> in Spanish and they're like, what does that mean? And you're like, we're in Spanish class. Figure it out, puta. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, but don't look that up. I didn't call a middle schooler a bitch, but middle schoolers are funny as hell. Um, Malfoy is not a great example of that. His digs are not creative. Mm -mm. Also, if I were Lupin and I was walking down the hallway and some bitch kid was like, he looks like shit. I would be like, yeah, well, I I didn't fucking turn you into a werewolf last night. So I think I'm doing pretty good. Honestly, I think I'm doing great.
1: I just can't imagine the level of like not caring that comes with like what is this a 13 year old being like you look poor it's like
2: yeah (laughs) yeah that's essentially what he says in different versions or every book is just uh you might be poor
1: (laughs) it's the only insult he knows and it's not even an insult it's just an observation he
0: also has your parents are dead (laughs)
3: yeah but the only things he has are his rich parents so the only digs he can make are at people who don't have one of those things
0: yeah one or both so it's like it's like ron is poor and harry doesn't have any parents and so together it's like malfoy is just better than you guys i guess (laughs) yeah
1: because as we know having rich parents inevitably produces superior people who (sighs) don't do any crimes or drugs or get away with anything illegal
0: at all yeah time and time again history has proven rich kids
1: are the best people they're just just better people
0: (laughs) that is not the official stance of this podcast (laughs) um we talk about potions a little bit snape is in a particularly vindictive mood because of neville's Bogart of snape oh turning getting dressed in his grandma's clothes but like really Instead of being vindictive, why don't you ask yourself what am I doing to this child?
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> but I'm his
2: greatest fear. Yeah, I bet he never I bet he never thought about that because that's his goal. Like fear helps him run his classroom. So he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, of course he's afraid of me, but like you put me in whose class?"
3: Yeah. But he hates being, you know, disliked by the kids like it's like he wants to be respected, but he doesn't want to do anything that would earn the respect.
0: It's very, like, Machiavellian. He doesn't want to be liked. He wants to be respected. And yeah, he's like, I don't more care. if more been than loved. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't care about your feelings. I just need you to shut up and stop fucking up, basically. But the, but the thing is that, like, how does a kid, if you're like, stop fucking up to a kid, <laughs>
2: it's like, what? How do I do that?
0: I'm really trying
2: here.
3: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I've
2: had some teachers like that in my life. Yeah. And the teacher, the point of the teacher is to help the kids succeed. So like teachers like that always blew my mind because I'm like, "But this is your job. That's your job. So if I'm not doing well, you like help me. Yeah. And like, honestly, it takes a lot of courage to go to a teacher and be like, I'm really struggling.
0: And then definitely, especially in college, some of them were like, well, try reading it for a 17th time and maybe you'll understand (laughs) The translated Farsi poetry, then. No, (laughs) I'm never gonna get it. (laughs) Please. There's also divination. Harry hates
1: it. I find it to be a traditionally sexist trope that is included in this portion where they're like, okay, so Pravarti Patel and Lavender Brown are like super into divination. And even though In this universe, it is, like, a well-respected and established craft. It is a class that people are learning about. It's – I don't like that it's always, like, oh, the women who are into horoscopes and all that, like, floofy
0: stuff. Yeah. I I don't know that it's, like, necessarily respected. It's – we kind of don't have enough information, and and we have – talked about it in our episode um on talons and tea leaves where we went to our first divination class but like it's kind of like an art class where it's pe- people are like oh yeah like art's important but then it's it's like no one actually acts like art is important
2: to be fair though like forens when Ferenz reads the stars i think i can't remember in what book that's the book fifth five. book yeah. after trelawny gets fired it's like just straight oh that's right that's right I don't know, it's just, like, so much more, like, it's just a science.
1: Oh, so when we switch to a male professor, all of a sudden it's <laughs> right. a thing that everybody respects. I'm just saying, I, I got a lot of the sexist undertones that are associated with, in our society, with, like, women ha- putting more stock in horoscopes and being yeah. more likely to practice magic.
3: I personally saw a parallel with, like, gossip. Like, you know, women are always gossiping and they come into, like, the lunchroom and they're like, "Uh, sorry, it says... Uh, they would return to the room at lunchtimes and always returned with a knowingly superior looks on their faces as though they knew things that others didn't which is kind <laughs> of like how gossip kind of begins and yeah. know, them women gossiping and or like them women talking again. about people's futures
0: yeah yeah, yeah definitely
3: definitely
0: I don't, I definitely generally have never noticed this before, but I don't, I don't love how people treat Professor Trelawney, period. Including McGonagall, Professor McGonagall almost, Uh, so almost says to her whole ass class that she doesn't value Professor, whatever, what does she say? Hold on, I'm gonna find the exact quote. (laughs) I'm going back in time. Cause she like, she comes to like a dead stop. She's like, she's like, okay, okay, just you wait. Just (laughs) you wave.
1: But Um, I'm glad we all kind of agree that there are definitely some, like, weird sexist undertones going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, but...
0: Okay, here's what she says. Divination is one of the most imprecise branches of magic. I shall not conceal from you that I have very little patience with it. The true seers are very rare. And Professor Trelawney... She stopped again and then said in a very matter-of-fact tone... (laughs) You look in excellent health to me, Potter, so... You can still need to do your homework. So she, she like so almost is like Professor Trelawney is like a charlatan.
3: Yeah. yeah. The okay, uh, I don't want to say that there aren't sexist undertones, but the other thing is that McGonagall is very much a logical person. It's true. Divination is such a like she says imprecise magic that to her it doesn't make logical sense. As we later see with Hermione, they're like very similar that that way. Yeah, and I think. You know, if we think to book five, where McGonagall eventually has Trelawney's back, it's, you know, it's not so much the person that that she is against as much as the subject she teaches. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I guess that's kind of... I just, like, wish that McGonagall was, like, always an ally to Trelawney. But Trelawney is not trying to make friends either she doesn't ever come down from yeah her tower. and she is she- a bit
3: of like a scattered person <laughs> and mcgonagall is like <laughs> the one time she gets drunk it's like her hair is out of place and <laughs> it's like such a big deal <laughs> uh, because she's always so like uptight and you know yeah all dressed up so their personalities don't mesh either
0: yeah it's true it's true I wish and I hope that Dumbledore goes to check on her. Somebody needs to check on Trelawney (laughs) from time to time.
3: She's really been uh, drinking that cooking sherry. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that like a thing in the later books where she's just going around drinking all day? (laughs) It definitely,
0: when she gets fired, there is alcohol involved. Oh, yes, that's what
3: triggers it. We're keeping
0: track of which teachers get drunk when. And so far, (laughs) so far, it's Hagrid 2, McGonagall 1. That's like the count. I'm so am only Hagrid's only at two. Yeah, at I would point.
3: think it would be more. Yeah. Maybe only two times where the kids noticed it and they're otherwise yeah, tested they too young. That's
0: what I was going to say is like we hear about him getting drunk a third time, but we don't see it. That's when mm-hmm. he gets the dragon egg. Mm-hmm. Right. So he will get drunk more. Don't worry. And <laughs> I think that McGonagall gets drunk. I think everyone gets drunk at the Yule Ball. That's one of those parties that it starts out so good. And then by the end of the night, everyone is just fighting. And it's like, what happened? It's a disaster. We had too much freedom. (laughs) So, okay. So here's why Harry hates divination. Because Professor Trelawney's eyes fill with tears whenever she looks at him. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) that
2: would be so hard to go to that class every day. She'd be like, or however many days they go. Just like... Walking up that silvery ladder being like, all right, everyone's going to
3: me for an hour and a half or however long it is. Got to give it up for those acting chops. Either she really believes it or she's like really good at acting like she's crying every time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there's any chance that Professor Trail. The thing... Okay, so the thing with this book is that like the, fir- the whole plot of the first half of this book is that Harry doesn't know... That Sirius Black is his godfather. Right. And he doesn't understand he knows that Sirius Black is like out to get him, but he doesn't understand how personal it seems to be. And so I'm always wondering, like, who knows? McGonagall knows, Dumbledore knows, Fudge knows, fucking Flitwick knows? Isn't Flitwick at that conversation at the at the three broomsticks
1: later?
3: Oh, no. maybe.
1: I think he is. I could see them like just generally briefing the teachers as to why this is important.
4: Yeah. Especially,
1: it's kind of like if if there was a dispute between two parents and you notified the principal of the school to be like, hey, do not let the other parent pick them up because we are currently separated and there's a kidnapping risk, you would need to inform the whole school.
0: Yeah, but then the next question is, was Trelawney at that briefing or was she up in her tower with her perfumes?
3: <laughs> I also think that anybody, like when Sirius Black, you know, blew up a street, apparently, anybody who was old enough to be around that at that time would know because the headline would be like, the Potter's best friend attacks their other best friend, you know? Oh, that's
2: true. There was yeah. more perspective then. So I have a, I have a question. I wish Fauna, um, she was on here too because I wonder like in readings like that like tea leaves or tarot or whatever obviously the symbols stand for something else in this case obviously I wonder if she really did see a grim but the tea leaves were literally trying to tell her a literal dog that there is a literal dog that's important in his story (laughs) in his future yeah
3: that's possible so I don't I don't but I don't know if that's ever a thing in if it's ever so
2: literal yeah I would assume very rarely, but I don't know yeah,
0: because Trelawney doesn't know that Harry has been literally seeing a dog right so like so like Harry thinks that he's being haunted by this <laughs> grim thing. yeah, it's like no one is no one has like all the information. And in the end, it is just like a dog trying to make a friend. No, he's tr- he's trying to commit murder, but not Harry's murder. So that's fun.
2: It's just like one of a million instances where if Harry had just
3: informed at least one adult all the information, yeah, things would have gone very differently. In this chapter, when he's talking to Lupin, he gets interrupted like midway through yeah. a sentence I was like what were you gonna say say it yeah
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: um well the thing is that if Harry went to for example Professor McGonagall now and was like I have been seeing an actual black dog I don't think anyone knows that he's an animagus mm. yet because that's how he escapes from prison
3: yeah but if if he tells McGonagall McGonagall's gonna you know tell the other teachers and Lupin knows so that's you true. know just tell somebody <laughs> But then, and then
0: Lupin, okay, so then probably at that point, Lupin would be, feel compelled because he's a mm-hmm. really good guy. He would feel compelled to go to Dumbledore and be like, Sirius Black is an Animagus. He talks about that later, that this whole time he's like racked with guilt, trying to figure out if he should confess this. And Sirius Black would have probably been caught and sent back to Azkaban. Yeah, it's true. I got chills. I got chills when I said mm-hmm. sent back to Azkaban. It's so scary. Mm. <laughs> So Harry goes to Professor McGonagall and is like, I've been seeing this big black dog everywhere and Professor McGonagall is like, my God, Sybil was right on
2: the line. I was trying to go through what process her mind would take there. And I think maybe she would have that moment where she'd be like, oh, oh, he is seeing the Grimm actually. That's crazy. But then she would feel like because she's in Transfiguration, she probably knows a lot of people who are animaguses. You know, there's probably some sort of community or knowledge. Yeah, they have that, to be like,
3: registered, so
2: have to in air well, quotes. You know,
3: <laughs> except for the people that
0: didn't. But she probably has a community, a meetup, if you will.
1: Oh my god, I love the idea of McGonagall sneaking away to Hogsmeade to go to her like animagus meetup. A cat meetup. Yeah, like just talking about how tough it is, and, like, Sharon, flea repellent.
3: So. These <laughs> kids don't even applaud your transformations anymore.
1: Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I had to go oh through gosh. an entire fucking legal process to make this happen. Yeah. I think
0: that if Harry went to McGonagall and was like, I've been seeing this big black dog, I think McGonagall would not think it was the Grim symbolizing his death. But I also don't think she would not find it noteworthy yeah she would, she be would like, do something there is more it. that we need to figure out here and i'm i'm going to get my boy albus we're gonna figure it out <laughs> in cl- we're going to class there's a montage we're doing a class montage there's also care of magical creatures which no one likes hagrid has lost his confidence after mm-hmm. the old
2: Buckbeak situation and now they're studying flubber worms i just love that ron says why would anyone bother looking after them like they're, <laughs> they're like the thing that normally They would be feeding to it.
3: And as he says it, he's poking shredded lettuce down their slimy throats. Like, (laughs) why are they poking it down their throats?
1: We get an Oliver Wood pep talk that's not that bad, actually. Albeit narcissistic. Not that
3: bad. (laughs) I mean,
0: it's... Is it a pep talk? Even it's just like, guys, we really gotta do it. This is my life's dream. I please. found it
3: more desperate than narcissistic because you know desperate. when he's listing, oh, we've got great chasers and beaters and a uh, best seeker we have ever seen, and then he's like, well, and and me, of course, or <laughs> um, <laughs> like he adds himself at the end, all nonchalant.
2: Yeah. It's totally understandable to his desperation here because not, not only is it his last chance, but like they really should have won at least <laughs> yeah, once yeah. And all this time. Like there's no reason not to. They he literally says we've got a seeker who has never failed to win us a match. How is that possible? And yet they still haven't won a house cup
3: because Harry cup. got injured during like really important matches. <laughs> yeah. Freaking weak Harry ruining it for Oliver he reads in the
1: scene to me like a dad coaching youth soccer where like all the kids are just there to play and they're guests they're trying to please him, but he is like in it for the win. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're like, Daddy, can I have some orange juice? And he's like, at halftime. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He like gets everybody together beforehand and he's like, all right, this is the Pee-Wee Championships. <laughs> I once played on this team as an eight year old and it has haunted me every day.
2: I love, I always love how sweet the team is to Oliver too.
4: Like they treat him
2: so delicately. They know. (laughs) He's so dejected
0: that even Fred and George get sympathetic.
3: (laughs) Yeah. They say, we think you're very good too, Oliver, a crown keeper.
0: That's like an extra compliment, you know?
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they they got his back. They see the crazy. I mean, his his level is always at 100. And now it's yeah. like a, a scary 100. Well, and I think they probably
0: agree with what you said, Mary Payton, that, I mean, he really deserves the Quidditch cup. Like, he's Oliver Wood <laughs> has been working his ass off, and it just yeah. hasn't quite worked out, and... I guess we'll just see how it goes.
1: Oliver Wood strikes me as the person that would intentionally fail classes to stay on the Quidditch team and stay in school until he's like thirty, <laughs> for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, you would think it's like his his fate that he would have to he has to stay in school until he does this thing. <laughs> You're trapped here forever.
1: He seems well aware that he's not going to play professionally at all. Like he's not like this is my chance to get into the big leagues or something like that. You I think know? he
0: does play professionally. Does he? Does he? I think he does. I think it's mentioned in passing once. I think they see him at the Quidditch World Cup. But he's not playing. Let's see. He's not one of the big no, teams. No, he's not playing at the cup, but they chit chat with him. Okay. And I think I think he is playing, mm-hmm. what, minor
2: leagues? I don't know. But also, if you think about it, his desperation is even more understandable when you – it, it's not like a championship. It's not like they're. he's like, guys, we got to win this championship this year because there are this many high school or college teams that we're playing. It's four. They're one of four teams. And in seven years, if he's been playing the whole time, he has, oh, I guess he can't beat. But still, in that many years, they haven't managed to win against three other teams. Like, statistically,
1: it. it should have happened at least. Yeah. One. Yeah. yeah.
0: They start training three evenings per week. And then we kind of zoom in on like one evening as Harry is returning to the common room after Quidditch practice.
3: They mentioned that, you know, it's uh, getting rainier and colder. And then they mentioned that like none of the mud, wet or wind could stop them. But they're in the ground. What, what are they doing in the mud? I, I don't get it. Yeah, because oh, they are, like, muddy. Yeah, but how are they muddy? Because they're flying around. <laughs> yeah, I don't I know. I imagine
1: that they probably do ground drills the way that you do for, like, all sports, you know? I
3: guess. Yeah. Like-
1: Like your basic strength building things like push-ups and sprint drills. Just things for agility and strength. I
3: don't do sports, so I don't know. (laughs) I guess,
0: though, if it was raining and I was a Quidditch captain, that would not be the day we were doing push-ups.
4: You know what I mean? It's like, okay,
3: we're going to fly this time. Yeah. We're going to practice our grips.
1: I see that very few of you have participated in sport before. It is considered a good thing to especially work out when you're in difficult conditions because it basically just builds your mental fortitude to push through things
0: you know what would really help harry's fucking ability to push through things is if they put that spell on his glasses (laughs) that repels rain. they wait until i think that happens this year hermione yeah Yeah, i think it's during the room is
3: around like yeah and
0: hermione's like wait i just had an idea just now that none of your teachers thought of before this moment
1: (laughs) god damn (laughs) Apparently, he's the first Quidditch player with glasses in a generation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so when Harry gets back to the common room, everyone is excited because the first Hogsmeade weekend
2: has been announced for Halloween. Ah, oh, what a magical time to go to Hogsmeade too!
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. Get mm-hmm. your first sip of butter beer. <laughs> um harry is not excited because as a reminder he does not have permission so ron urges harry to ask McGonagall for special permission great idea that'll probably work <laughs> they're just like chilling in the common room doing homework harry's all tired from practice but he's like i guess i need to do homework too good boy i don't think i would have that kind of self-discipline crookshanks comes out eating a big old spider
1: you own cats do cats eat <laughs> spiders yeah My cat caught a lot of lizards back when I had her, but spiders never.
0: Dante will eat anything that moves.
3: (laughs) I have never been around a cat long enough to know.
0: One time there was a mouse in our house and I only knew because Dante was losing his goddamn mind. (laughs) But yeah, Dante Dante will catch a bug if we ask him to. You ask him ask him to? Yeah, because sometimes he's not paying attention, and you have to be like, "Look, a bug, a bug," <laughs> oh. and you po- and you point at it, and he's like, "What?" Get out the laser pointer,
3: pointed at the yes, bug.
0: Lead him to it. But what he doesn't like, okay, here I learned this recently because I tried it. If there's a bug up high on a wall, and you try to lift Dante up to oh, it so he can get it, not he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't like the teamwork. He has to lay in wait for it to come down to his level. <laughs>
2: It's about the journey, Christina, not the destination.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dante's a shit ton of flies, really. I don't know. We don't have a very spidery house, so. But, like, you need a spider bun. <laughs> so, Crookshanks really suddenly pounces on Ron's bag. So, like, they're just sitting around doing homework, and Ron's like, can you handle your cat? Because Scabbers is sleeping in my bag. I want him to have a good little nap in my bag. Because Scabbers is in my bag. And then Crookshanks <laughs> pounces on the bag.
3: <laughs> yep. And Ron, you know, he's he notices or he thinks that it's because Crookshanks heard him say yes. that Scabbers his, was in his bag. And we know that might be kind of true because um Yeah, might be kind of is, true. What, what is Crookshanks? Uh, a half-neasle, are they called? Yeah, a nizel. That's the theory,
0: is that Crookshanks is a measle. And we do learn that eventually Crookshanks is in cahoots with Sirius Black. There's no way to know, I don't think, if it's happening right now.
3: At least Crookshanks can sense that Scabbers isn't what he appears to be.
0: Yeah, that's not a fucking rat. So Kirkshanks jumps on the bag. I was, like, trying to write down what is, like, happening in this scene, and I I kind of gave up, and I just wrote, it's a shit show. (laughs) Like, imagine, imagine that your rat is sleeping in your bag, and you're sitting at a small table with your three friends doing homework, and the cat is trying to get into the bag, and everyone is screaming. Like, that. it's a shit show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, the rat is in the bag trying to get out of the bag and the cat is out of the bag trying to get into the bag. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, Quirk um, totally rips the bag and it's all that's left are like scraps of cloth, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, every time property damage occurs to Ron Weasley, I feel especially bad about it because you know that he's just like, I guess I'm carrying my books in my arms forever now, yeah. you know?
0: I hope Hermione just did the quick old reparo on his bag for him after that. That's, like, the least
2: she can do. But he probably wouldn't even let her. He's so mad. She definitely owes him that. Like, I understand. I mean, true that cats are would try to eat rats. But that doesn't mean you aren't responsible for what your cat does to your friend's rats. For sure, as someone who is personally obsessed with my
0: own personal cats, I would never ever let this happen to a friend or worse a friend's pet. If my cats are kind of annoying one of my friends, it's like you can handle it, you're bigger than them, <laughs> but if one of my if one of my cats is bothering my friend's pet, I'm like, "Leave, stop bullying this poor stupid dog. Like, come on." <laughs> it's always the dogs are like, "I don't know what to do with this sharp thing." <laughs> Uh, like so many bullet points Ron can't get him off Hermione's like don't hurt him <laughs> Scabbers goes flying out of the bag Everyone is trying to catch the rat and the cat <laughs> Scabbers runs under a chest of drawers And Crookshanks starts puppy guarding Which like uh, I just, The language used for Crookshanks in this book Is like really spot on Like cats like move in such a way You know And it's like the writing really the flicking of the tail and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like Crookshanks is straight up stalking that chest of drawers. <laughs> She's like, uh, no, Crookshanks is a boy. I get confused because my friend Sarah has a girl cat named Crookshanks who's beautiful. But this Crookshanks is a boy. And Crookshanks, the boy in this book, is like, I'm going to fucking murder you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he is very determined. It's <laughs> a good impression. Very
0: determined is like an understatement. (laughs) Well, I'm Canadian. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) So Hermione grabs Crookshanks. Good. You should have been. I will bodily put myself (laughs) in front of my cat's claws to protect others. Like, Mm -hmm.
1: get your cat, dude. Do you think that if Crookshanks had done got him? Do you think? Peter Pettigrew would have blown his fucking cover
4: to like punt a
1: cat briefly and then just like shoot back down and try to pretend like nothing happened.
0: It's funny that you asked me this because I was just listening to the audiobook. I like read the chapter and then like right before we record, I listened to the audiobook. Um, and I was listening to it with Sean and Sean asked me the exact same question at this exact same moment. And he was like, do you think Peter Pettigrew would turn back into a human to save himself? And my answer was, I think we are seeing evidence in this chapter that he would not. Hmm. Like, hmm. I, I think he is close to being murdered here. <laughs>
3: doesn't he need a wand to do it isn't that a thing i can't remember wait hold on
0: are you implying that the rat needs to hold a wand (laughs) well
3: i I don't know how like because that's how they you know conduct their magic how does he i I don't think they need one because because sirius black doesn't have a wand either
0: that's true I mean, wandless magic is a thing. Non-verbal magic is a thing. I think especially when you're an Animagus, it probably becomes really second nature to just, like, become a dog.
3: What happens to McGonagall's wand when she turns into a cat? It's a toy now. But does she, like, <laughs> carry it with her? Like, that time mm. when she was reading a map in Privet Drive? <laughs> she holds it in her little mouth. That would be the cutest thing.
4: <laughs>
3: I bet she's got, like, some pockets or something. She Cat like <laughs> I don't know how that would work, but she's got a <laughs> thing where she can tuck her wand into it and be on her way. Man,
2: I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, that's, that's a,
3: a good start. question. The weird
0: tangent, but <laughs> she transfigures her wand into her
3: collar. That that's the best explanation. And the collar says
0: Professor Minerva McGonagall.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I think like back to whether Scabbers would or Peter Pettigrew would turn back into a human. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point because i do think this scene shows you that he wouldn't because any small actual grabbing from crookshanks could kill him when he's in a rat form like there's no like okay i'll wait and see if crookshanks actually bites me before i turn back so he's obviously not doing it because this would be the time to do it but that seems very much out of character for him
1: but i feel like he probably could because like okay let's assume Shanks swipes him and, like, <laughs> actually gets him. Or, like, shanks like, lands a bite. If he transforms in that moment, it's not like he's got, like, giant gaping holes through his stomach. Right. Probably, he would have a cat's mouth around his normal human body, which, like, is a deeply survivable thing. So, like, I even if he got a, like, scratch or something, I feel like he would maybe, like, cr- crawl away to a place where he could transform himself and, like, deal with it when it's, like, smaller and he has human characteristics to be able to like dress his wound or whatever yeah i I don't know that he's close enough to death in this moment to warrant yeah
3: i kind of agree with that i don't know
1: like why would you choose to go out a rat
0: well there's just so many questions because to be perfectly honest if peter Pettigrew has ever known a cat like this cat is not hunting the way that a house cat would hunt, right? If one of my cats is going after something and it like doesn't work out, it's gonna start licking itself and pretending it never tried in the first place. You know what I mean? Like it's not gonna, (laughs) a house cat isn't gonna endure a whole room of screaming people trying to get it. Like that cat is out of there and it hates you. And it doesn't hunt with this level of persistence. So Mm. I don't know if Pettigrew is like, trying to, like, bide his time and just, like, figure out, like, what is up with this cat. But I maintained that a cat that wanted to could kill a rat with a single blow if it if it landed the right blow. I agree.
3: I think Pettigrew is kind of relying upon all the people around him, like, stopping Crookshanks. Like, if it was just yeah, him he's and he's like, look how pathetic I am. Well, yeah, because, like, Ron is, you know, he knows Ron's gonna go for him and the whole... Gryffindor like the twins get in on it they're they're yeah. trying to stop him so
2: I mean he's been like this for how many 13 years 13 years <laughs> so he's he's been in this I'm sure he's been in many situations not necessarily the same exact thing but probably with another cat at some point
4: yeah. with another animal of
2: some sort where he's been really really close to having to show himself and he hasn't so he's probably a little more hardened to this kind of thing than than we think knowing you know the movie peter yeah like almost nothing will make him show himself yeah movie i mean movie peter Petter i mean in the book peter Pettigrew is like so wimpy and just like whiny and scared all the time but i i think that is more of the movie him he's like very whimpery and i don't know maybe it's the same
0: also, just quick note so that the haters don't come get us. It was 12,
2: 12 years.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: Quiet haters.
3: <laughs> well, it'll be 13 by the time he basically turns into a human, which is like at the end of the year. You know? Yes. So almost yeah, 13. That's, that's
2: what I meant. Haters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to get into how weird it is? Oh. No, you already know what I'm yeah, gonna say. exactly. Ron would die for you, and you're a 40 year old scared man. Like,
3: it's, yeah, it's a, the whole thing is very exploitative, in, in you know, in really weird ways that don't have exact parallels in a world where we can't turn into animals, right? Hmm. Um,
0: and like, how did how did Scabbers even end up at the Weasley?
3: Ex- I was thinking that exact with thing with Percy as a pet.
2: Because I'm sure they have a lot of animals around there. Like,
3: maybe Mr. Weasley was, like, in London the day he had to, you know, run away and be a rat. And then he just got in his little, (laughs) I don't know, on his I don't know why that that sounds like something that like a
0: really upset three-year-old would be like, I'm going to go run away and be a rat and you're not (laughs) going to be my
3: mommy and daddy anymore. (laughs) That's basically what he did.
1: (laughs) My personal favorite implication Mm -hmm. of the fact that Peter Pettigrew is Peter Pettigrew and he shows up that way on the Marauders map is that Fred and George Weasley probably saw the name (laughs) Peter Pettigrew in bed with Ron for years and just were like, Not our business.
3: Yeah. Well, they're very accepting of um, people, you know.
1: Yep. They're just like, okay, whatever. I mean, I would at least question, (laughs) if not from, like, a general, like, hey, dude, who's your boyfriend kind of
3: Um, way. Of 11-year-old brother, who's your boyfriend? Does Crookshanks show up as Crookshanks? Like, do pets show up as the... I... I think that Kirkshanks
0: does show up on the Maybe map the, later it was in like the they
3: assumed one of the other guys had a pet name Peter Pedigree. <laughs> it is very you know. It, yeah. It does sound like a pet name. Peter Petter sure.
2: Agree.
1: If they show up though, then like shouldn't scabbers be on the map? Unless they just think that Peter Pettigrew is, like, Scabbers' or, you know,
3: Scabbers is off, like, finding something to eat at night. Like, we soulmate. call him Scabbers, but his given name is
1: Peter Pettigrew.
3: His Christian, oh, when he was God. baptized, his name was
0: given as Peter Pettigrew.
3: You need to remember, Percy was the one who had him first, and that's exactly the kind of name he would name his pet, so...
0: Oh, my God.
3: Yeah, Scab? who's... Who
0: adopted a rat and was like, yeah, you, I want you.
3: And your name is Scabbers. Yeah, Scabbers is totally a Ron kind of name. It's not a Percy name. name. Yeah.
0: So maybe, maybe, maybe Percy did have a really presumptuous
3: name for his rat and Ron changed it. Yeah. And the twins just assume that, you know, they don't remember exactly what it was, but they just know that it was something stupid. So
0: (laughs) they're like, oh, yeah, that. I just think that, like, maybe the twins, like, can't really remember who exactly is in Ron's year. And it's just like, yeah, it's like Ron and Harry. And like that one who forgets stuff and the one who blows (laughs) stuff up and Dean, he's cool. And then like, sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Peter, he shows up on the map, I guess.
2: (laughs) But they would see, they would see that name with Harry, Hermione and Ron all the time. And then they would meet them in person. And it's only the three of them.
3: Well, but they were never looking at the map when they were talking to the three of them in person. Because we never see the map before this. Book. I know, but I mean,
2: like, it would be weird to always see four people together on the map, and then yeah, when only you only see three people in real life. Mm-hmm.
1: I think the like most likely explanation is that Fred and George were using the map for a very specific pur- purpose, yeah. which okay. was like yeah. sneaking around, and therefore, like. Like, it's kind of weird that Harry is like sitting in bed, just like watching people walk around. Like, that yeah. is unusual.
0: I think the complete opposite. Cause I was, I had the same thought where I was like, maybe they're just using it for a really specific purpose, but absolutely fucking not. I would be <laughs> poring over that thing. I'd be like, who's doing what? What? Percy's
1: where
3: with Penelope Clearwater? (laughs) The
1: thing, though, the fact that they had no clue about Penelope Clearwater makes me believe that they do not give a yeah. And also, they're like, I need to clear this chamber, and that's it.
3: The main argument, like for this, is that there's just so much on the map that you know it's hard to see these little details unless you're looking for them, which is a boring answer. I still stand by the fact that Percy named his rat something really terrible. And the twins just assume it's Peter Pettigrew.
1: Yeah. I would okay. assume that Percy would have named his rat, like, Prefect Head Boy Minister of Magic. Like, as <laughs> one name.
3: Well, it's Prefect Percy <laughs> and his rat Peter <laughs> Pettigrew. It's all the peas.
0: <laughs> Alright. Mm. So, Peter Pettigrew is a rat cowering under a chest of drawers. Ron, Ron grabs him, Hermione grabs Crookshanks. Scabbers is not doing so good. Nope. Yeah. And then Ron is like, there's something funny about that animal. It heard me say that Scabbers was in my bag. And then people start laughing at him, which is like so sad because he's literally right. And Ron is the kind of person who I think is probably really sensitive to being
1: laughed at.
3: Yeah. He does not take that well at all.
1: He's even sensitive to just Harry being laughed at like next to him
0: yeah he just like is so desperate to be like i like i'm like i'm real and like my feelings are valid and like i'm doing this
2: and like guys (laughs) i need you to support me this cat heard me talking (laughs) especially when you're that upset about something and people are laughing in that moment man yeah that's one of the worst feelings my mom
0: told me the only time she ever got into a physical fight with her best friend Jody was when they were in a fight, and Jody made my mom laugh, and my mom bitch slapped her across the face because she was so mad.
2: <laughs> Dude, I know exactly that feeling though. Like if Jason, if Jason and I fight about something, my husband and I fight about something, and uh, he's a pretty funny guy. He's he's just like done with fighting, so he'll just try to be like, hey, hey, babe uh hey uh you want a hug and I'm like no no I don't want a hug right <laughs> now but then he'll like say something that actually is funny and then I laugh and I oh and that makes me yeah. just so oh, angry
0: I'll come back like three hours later and be like all right I'm not mad at you anymore and that joke he made was pretty funny um just so you know I can see
2: Sean just like sitting in a chair as you go off angrily and he's like she'll come back she'll come back to me <laughs> I always do <laughs>
0: so we cut to the next morning Ron is barely speaking to Hermione Hermione's like how's Scabbers and he answers her very dramatically they go to Transfiguration and outside class they're like waiting to get in Lavender Brown is crying Lavender Brown is crying she got news that her rabbit died her baby bunny who lives at home died and she got the letter today and she's crying I get it and so she's like, "This is the prediction, Professor Trelawney said that the thing I was dreading the most would happen today." And Hermione is not very sensitive. She's got her log- <laughs> She's got her detective cap on. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Jesus fuck, Hermione! Someone's pet dying is the wrong time to prove a point.
3: She's too logical. <laughs> yeah, read the room. I like this though because
2: this is like definitely. Hermione when she's still trying to figure out how to be a nicer friend a better yes, friend six year Hermione would never. yeah like right now she's logic still she cannot let it go. she can't let these other things override the fact that they're not being logical in this moment and she needs to explain that to them. Yeah. And like yeah 60 year Hermione would definitely be like all right, I'll bite my tongue.
0: Well, and I think some part of Hermione's brain is like, oh, once Lavender sees that this wasn't foretold in the stars, she'll feel better. It'll Which <laughs> <feel better. laughs> is, like, not true.
1: It's particularly nonsense considering, like, how hard she just stuck up for Crookshanks. Like, you know, she, like, she yeah. loves this cat so fucking much, and she's like, but that's my cat. This is your stupid fucking rabbit, and, <laughs> and Professor Trelawney's wrong. This is more important. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. She's like cats just chase rats rabbits just die by
1: foxes <laughs> it's, it's killed by a fox yeah
0: <laughs> which also like I don't know whose fault was that who which of the parents was like on that why was it outside what's going on <laughs>
1: that just feels so British to me of yeah being, like can't we, have a, we have a bunny but it lives in the backyard and sometimes foxes happen like I don't
4: <laughs> yeah I, yeah I
1: don't see that being an American yeah. response to owning a pet rabbit
0: yeah yeah so Hermione's like she's trying to like talk it out with Lavender she's like we're engaging in this mutually as (laughs) peers um she's like okay so like so you were dreading him being killed by a fox and Lavender's like no but I was obviously I don't want him to die and Hermione's like okay so is he like old is that why you were dreading him dying and she's like no he's a baby and Hermione's like so Hermione's basically trying to be like You had, like, a really abstract fear. It's not, like, the thing you fear the most. Um, Lavender's not really ready to hear
3: that. In a way, Trelawney telling her that she should dread the 16th of October made her dread the day itself, and maybe that's what she's dreading. There's that theory that every prediction that Trelawney makes actually is true. Yeah. And the way that I could see this one being true is that Oh, the thing that happens on the sixteenth—you'll dread it. <laughs> so um, lavender just dreads that day. That's a good point.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Wow, that's really
0: interesting. That's a great
1: point. So then, the thing that you're dreading is just something bad happening on the sixteenth.
2: Like I don't know what it is, but I'm dreading it. So, like maybe if she had like failed an exam or failed a test or something like that.
3: Yeah, it could have been anything. Like she could have stubbed her toe, and that would have been the thing she <laughs> <Yeah>. was dreading. <laughs> the thing that what she's dreading is the day not. The events of the
0: day. But for the record, Professor Ceilani has made some other predictions that
3: come true. Bring this up in book six when she's like, at one point, she's like going down the hallway, mumbling things to herself. And she's playing with like tarot cards or something. And the things she says come true right after, like soon after. I think most of her predictions come true. I
0: wonder if she's like psychically connected to the school in some way
3: you know what i mean i like to think mm-hmm.
0: that hogwarts kind of like gets to well, you her
3: name is sybil yes
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> subtle so ron is like don't mind her she doesn't think other people's pets matter very much which perfectly oh, valid that's a right. valid thing to say it, the evidence points to that being true mm-hmm.
3: it's true i just have a really hard time like relating to ron or <laughs> like feeling sorry for him it's with, like, Game of Thrones, everybody's like, oh, Jon Snow, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> Wait, Snow. I get that. <laughs> uh, and that's how Ron is to be sometimes, um, but, you know, I have, like, feelings regarding him in later books that are playing out now. yeah. It's just,
1: like, it's just never the right time to try to say anything but, like, general mumbling encouragement when someone's pet dies. Nah. Yeah. Like. It's just mm-hmm. always the wrong move. When my dog died, my friends and family were all very, very kind to me. If a single fucking person had been like, well, he was 14.
3: Oh my God. Right? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Don't right? no, yeah. like, laugh. Exactly. But that, was, that would be the worst thing. Well, the thing is, it's like
0: how you say it, because like, we didn't not say that. We're like, he lived a long and happy life, you know? Right. And it's like... Hermione's got a lot to learn about love and friendship. I'll tell you
1: what. I don't even think that's love and friendship. Like, in terms of I do think
3: Hermione needs to use some tact here. Yeah. I I am on Ron's side. Yeah, she just really is
2: like, (laughs) logic will save the day. And it's like, no, today, not today. That's not what's going to save the day. Sometimes you can't. And that's, (laughs) that's part of what she learns with divination anyways, is that, and what frustrates her so much about it, is that she's learning there are times when you cannot use logic. It doesn't matter how wrong you look it doesn't matter how wrong other people are around you sometimes logic isn't the answer
3: yeah I relate to Hermione in this I've always enjoyed math because it's logical Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's like hard for me to break out of that you know I'm more self-aware of it now but when I was younger like Hermione I would just be like but that's not how it is so why is this like that (laughs) um and you know things like Prejudice and um, discrimination didn't even make sense to me at first because I was like, but that doesn't make any logical sense. Um, Like when I was younger, that's how I, that's how my brain worked and still somehow works. Mm. So I understand how Hermione feels here, but still, she, 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 yeah, she needs to learn some things. I will say
1: there are certain emotional responses that logically follow from events. So, like, there is logic to someone dies and people feel sad. You know what I mean? But like,
0: but Hermione's logic of like trying to get to the bottom of the mystery of Treilani is like more important to her. And she's having a hard time. Because
3: like the first thing, you know, Hermione does say, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, or something like that. And then once she hears Lavender bring up the prophecy, that's when she brings out her logic.
0: What we're seeing is a well-educated, like a well-trained Child, she has well-off British parents who have taught her very well. So she knows that she is supposed to say a line, but she doesn't have siblings. And so she's never had to practice meaning it.
2: (laughs) True.
3: Maybe. I mean, her parents are dentists. I don't know what that says about her, but it says something. (laughs) It makes me think of how
2: I did have to learn. I specifically remember learning I think in high school, it took me to high school to realize that sometimes when people are really upset and they have a really big problem, they're not telling you to figure it out or to tell them yeah. a solution. Sometimes they already have these ideas in their head. They're they just need you to listen and to not provide solutions. Like yeah,
0: va- just validate. Yeah, yeah. like
2: Nab when you were talking about how you were like mm-hmm. just hyper logical when you were younger. My younger self was like hype. I'm still very focused on solutions, like problem solving. And I always think that that's the route. And I still have the problem with that. But sometimes doing that, it just makes it worse. People don't always need that.
3: Yeah, that's how I approach problems as well. And I, you know, when I'm doing it for myself, it makes sense Mm -hmm. because I'm looking for solutions. But when I'm doing it for my friend who's, you know, having a hard time, I do need to learn to rein it back. It's definitely one of those practice skills for me.
0: So... They go to transfiguration class, and after class, Harry stays behind to ask McGonagall about his permission form, and also Ron stays behind to, like, grin eagerly from the corner.
3: (laughs) 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 Yeah, it was weird, because he said, like, it says that the class disappeared and Harry went up to McGonagall, but all of a sudden, there's Ron grinning at him.
1: (laughs) We we skipped right over a fave joke in this chapter, which is Neville being, like, Professor, I think I lost, and literally McGonagall just cuts him off, and she's like, "Your grandma already sent it to me directly. Like, you are a mess of a child. Please go."
0: Yeah, I that makes me so sad because like he didn't even get the opportunity to fail, and for some amount of time he thought he had failed. Yeah, and Sean said that you need two permission firms at this point. You send one to McGonagall, and you're like, and you're like, let Neville try to get his to you first. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you let Neville do his best. That is yeah. so cute. <laughs> I don't think they have photocopiers though. You know, it's the wizarding world.
4: <laughs>
0: so obviously McGonagall is way too lawful and there's murder afoot. So no, you can't go to Hogsmeade. I love how much of a, like I almost said how much of a bitch she is, but I think a better word is like hard ass. I love how much of a hard ass she is knowing how deeply true her character like she is one of the best most loyal most like dedicated characters and she fully commits to the revolution later um <laughs> but like when she's a hard ass it's just like all right girl go ahead and he's like well if you just sh- said i could go and she's like i don't say
2: so i did yeah. not say that She's I mean, like nah. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> i love that it's so dumb to me that harry says um my aunt and uncle, you know, they're muggles. They don't really understand about about Hogwarts forms and stuff because, like, all of the things that happen at Hogwarts, the one thing that they would understand is a permission form. Yeah. Well, really, I <laughs> yep. I read that as Harry's
0: heavily coded language for you know how they are abusive. And they deprive yeah. me of all joy. The
3: muggliest of muggles. Yeah, like,
0: they, uh, they wouldn't sign this because they don't like me to have joy because they're abusive. That's, like, what he's trying to say here, yeah. but he doesn't know they're abusive. He doesn't have the language for it, but that's what he's, like, trying to convey.
1: Honestly, is anyone else shocked that Hogwarts, um, like,
3: cares requires about permission, permission slips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, later they accept one from a, you know, known <laughs> criminal. So oh, yeah. It's not a big deal.
1: Hogwarts has so much child endangerment. Like, so much child endangerment. Hogsmeade is probably the
0: safest place for them.
1: They locked a bunch of petrified students in their hospital wing and was like, no parents, no, no, no. Like, we're going to take care of this. And the one thing that they're like, oh, we need to, because permission slips only exist to abscond yourself from liability. Mm -hmm. And so the only thing (laughs) they're worried about being held liable for is, like, the kids having a day trip. That's the only thing that they're like, anything else they certainly could not sue us for. But this, we want to make sure.
0: Yeah, like, you you need your ass covered more for the kids walking past the Dementors to get out than anything they could do in Hogsmeade.
2: Yeah, like, you would think... Of all the things they would, Harry would have had to have a form to enter the Triwizard Tournament, where literally, ch- <laughs> oh my god, children have uh, so where children have literally disappeared,
3: and they only have a couple forms from a couple kids. Yeah, if the requirement was that you needed a signed form, like that would have been a much better thing than that age line.
1: <laughs> they don't even need a form to send them into the dark forest for detention. Like,
3: oh I, yeah, I
1: think you hit on like
0: the exact type of nonsense that like wizard child protection is where it's like, it's like, (laughs) <laughs> we made the rule that you have to be over seventeen to enter the Triwizard Tournament because you must be of consenting age. And then a fourteen-year-old gets implicated against their will, and they're like, "Well, we don't have a policy
3: where <laughs> we, like
0: we're all we're all adults <laughs> here, yeah. so like this is just it. This is we're not this is this is your life now." It makes me crazy. Yeah, they
3: never really explain what'll happen if he he'll doesn't. die. He'll die if he participates in <laughs> wow. it anyway. So. Like take the risk there, you know? Make the logical
0: choice. Nav will definitely bring you back on for a, a chapter of Goblet of Fire.
3: Oh, I would love to be back. <laughs> just, That's a really good Just book.
1: in general, the draconian enforcement of a permission slip seems deeply unrelated <laughs> to the reality of life at Hogwarts. Yeah.
0: If Harry being pursued by a murderer was not a plot point in this book, the the permission slip thing would would not have it wouldn't have been a thing. Yeah. You know, because there's no struggle it's true. there. They would never have added that detail unless it was a direct challenge to Harry's personal Gryffindor happiness.
1: Why, why not just have, like, I don't know, a professor escort them to and fro?
0: Well, they're trying to go get drunk at the fucking three Broomsticks. Yeah. They're busy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Literally, during a student Hogsmeade trip, four teachers go get drunk in the middle of <laughs> a tavern, in the middle of it, with students all about and start... Loudly discussing the very top secret detailed personal history of one of their students. Oh, my God. They don't even notice that Ronnie and Hermione are sitting within earshot. (laughs) Yep. He was
1: their friend! Okay. (laughs) Hogsmeade has no rules. The only rule of Hogsmeade is Hogsmeade has no rules.
0: That's Hogsmeade, (laughs) as a reminder, is where Aberforth has been doing his experiments with goats this whole time.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was going to bring that up, but then I abstained. Hogsmeade has no rules.
0: (laughs) All right, so we wake up on Halloween morning. Ron and Hermione head off to Hogsmeade. They're not fighting anymore out of respect for Harry's deep cutting FOMO. <laughs> We've all
2: been there, Harry. It's like two divorced parents who like are fighting all the time. But then when they go to tell their children about it, they're like, your, your father and I have made this decision together. We love you very much.
0: <laughs> that is not how I found out my parents were getting divorced. Oh,
1: um, we will buy you lots of candy. <laughs>
3: two Christmases (laughs) two Christmases (laughs) oh
0: trauma trauma
3: trauma trauma. (laughs) oh
0: my god Mary Payton I saw that Reductress article you posted today that was like how to trust your friend whose parents never got divorced I
2: just and I tagged one of my friends slash employees in it too because her parents not only are still together but they're still like very much in love like they their anniversary dates are so sweet Brooke, your parents are still pretty much in love, yeah?
1: Yeah, my parents are very into each other.
3: Oh, I love that. Yeah. No,
1: it's awesome. Apparently, um, but... Honestly, if anything, it made dating harder because you have this model of two people that, like, managed to do marriage right, and you're just like, anything less feels shitty.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like, my sister is pretty much vowed that she never wants to get married because she's just like it's not worth it. Like, I do not think I can successfully attain our parents' marriage or better, and therefore I will not try. If it happens, it happens. Like, statistically, it's
2: just not probable.
1: (laughs) It actually is. So if you take out people that have been previously... So the divorce rate is around 48% total. But if you've been divorced once previously, you're more likely to get divorced again if you marry again. And so if you take out people who have had multiple divorces the first time marriage divorce rate is closer to 23 percent
3: wow cool i come from an indian family divorce is not an Uh option
1: (laughs) i married a catholic so divorce also not an option
0: (laughs) as we know every old married couple dies in their nursing home bed holding hands together overnight
2: true (laughs) i wrote you every day for a
1: year oh my god (laughs) so ron and hermione go off there's like a big line to get out the door where they're like like studiously checking permission slips because once again we care now i care now you make me care more and harry's just like okay no i'm i'm fine even worse, Harry's sitting there watching all the other kids, like, go <laughs> off happily into the sunset. Like, why do that to yourself, but
0: Yeah, just leave. Um, so then he, he starts just straight up wandering. He's wandering around. He goes to the common room.
2: Colin Creevy
3: is there. Oh, my God. Shout
0: out to Colin Creevy, the worst <laughs> asshole
4: ever.
2: I love this image. I just <laughs> love this image of, like, I feel like we've all been there where you make a beeline for some sort of room or area and then there's someone in there that you hate more than anything they spot you eye to eye and you're like ah oh, i i have to go work on this thing you <laughs> immediately turn around and then you're wandering because you you have no other plans other than getting away
3: i mean if i lived in hogwarts i would wander the halls yeah. every day. <laughs> it's the coolest freaking place True. there is why would you sit in your room harry is literally just
0: like when will my husband be home for more <laughs> it's a restless spirit it kind of reminds me when I'm at like a house party when there's not a pandemic and I like I'm like trying to figure out like which small group of chatters is like the right one and I like walk boldly into a room and it's just like one person doing like coke off of the coffee table and I'm like
2: oops uh wrong room <laughs> You have to pretend you were specifically there for something that's not there. Like, oh, the food's not in here. Oh, god. Oh. <laughs> okay,
3: well, this isn't not the me. bathroom. I,
0: oh my god.
2: I'm
0: confidently lost, and I'm just like, oh, hey, oh, there. Oh, I thought my friends would be here, and they're not. Bye. Bye now. <laughs> Yeah, so Colin's like, hey, you could sit with us. And Harry's like,
3: oh, no, um, I have to go to the library. I wish people listening could see your impression. It was fantastic. Wide-eyed. Harry's
0: just, like, a really bad liar. He's like, I have to go to the library. He doesn't say, like, oh, but I'm just going to go, like, take a nap first. He doesn't – there's just – he could do better. Um, So then he's, like, forced to leave the common room and – We get so he came and went, and he's talked to the fat lady both times. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and the fat lady's like, "What was the point of waking me up?" And it's like, "I'm sorry, you're a sentient painting, and this is your only job.
3: (laughs) This is your only job." It's true. It is kind of a sucky job, though. I would. It's not even. It's not even like late at night. Yeah, not being
1: rude. (laughs) She's on portrait time. Do you think she was painted into existence for this task, or do you think that she was? otherwise a happy painting and then like you know like her owner died and the house got sold and she ended up at Hogwarts from a rummage sale and they were like (laughs) don't worry we've got a task for you and she was like oh I don't want that and they're like too late This is yet another
0: intense line of questioning that Sean was directing at me when we were listening to this audiobook. And I was like, babe, I don't know. I'm really trying to get to the end of this before my recording starts. Can we please just get through it? Um, yeah, he was like, he was asking questions about like, what is the magic of these kinds of like doors? Like who can get through? What does it take to get through? And I was like, babe, I don't, as I said, I was like, I don't know. I'm just trying to listen to this. And he said, well, so like serious Black couldn't get through. Could like Voldemort get through? And I was like, Yeah, for, like, Voldemort can kind of do anything because he's really creative with magic in a way that, like, other people... He kind of is like, there's no stopping me. And then, like, because he has that confidence, there's no stopping him.
3: Mm -hmm. At all points during the books, you need the password to get in. Like, no matter, like, they go into the Slytherin common room last year and, you know, they had the password then... And also, um, when it, when they go to the Ravenclaw, you know, their password is a little bit more complicated, but they can't get in unless they answer the riddle, so.
1: Ravenclaw's rotated riddles, and I think this is really important because I listened to Hey Riddle Riddle, which, shout out to a former guest Adol Rafi. that's his podcast, and it's amazing. But, like, they've only been doing that podcast for, like, nearly a year and a half, and they are out of riddles. And yeah. so <laughs> I cannot imagine, I guess every... Seven ish years, you're you're completely ruined the body. Yeah. and You can start over, yeah. but
0: honestly, when I got to see how you get into the Ravenclaw common room for the first time, that happens in book seven, right? When they're running around trying to find the diadem, yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm not a Ravenclaw. Like I'm a tickle a pear kind of. Let me into my bedroom. <laughs> Wait, no, that's the kitchens. I always do that. Tickle a pear into the kitchen. Uh, we
3: don't know what the Hufflepuff is because like, we never go Give there. an
0: authentic compliment." Say something nice to a friend. <laughs> hey bud, I think your shirt looks really great today. And it's like, thanks dude. And it just like you swings You have to flatter open. the
3: painting.
1: <laughs> the painting hands you a loaded bowl and you have to have the decency to take one puff and pass it back. <laughs> That's
0: a Hufflepuff <laughs> Puff The <best. laughs> Bowl's just one puff. Okay, so Harry's just uh, continues wandering. He wanders into Filch. This is how you know he's wandering is because there's no consequence to his encounter with Filch. He just sees Filch and Filch is like, do something different. And Harry's like, okay. Do something <laughs> different.
1: <laughs> Why does Filch care? He's like, oh, you're in the library. That's suspicion. He's like, really? is Why it? does Filch
2: ever care about any of the stuff he brings up? He just cares. Well,
0: I think the point is that Filch is like, you should be in Hogsmeade. And Harry's like, I fucking
3: know. <laughs>
0: Tell me about or it. Or
3: that he he thinks the reason he's like missing out on such a cool thing as being in Hogsmeade is so that he can cause or create a specific kind mm-hmm. of trouble.
0: Yeah. So then Harry's like, I guess I should do something. So he's like, I'm going to go to the Owlery to visit Hedwig, which he really should do more. How's your owl? Who's yeah. caring for your owl? Um, house elves. So Lupin intercepts him in the hallway and says, hello. And he invites Harry into his office. And like, if I were Lupin, I would probably be like very excited right now because he, he's like met Harry, but he hasn't had, the opportunity to have like just a normal conversation with him. And it's like your Mm -hmm. two best friends, kid. It's just like, what are you doing, bud? How'd you get, what's going on? What kind of person are you? Tell me stuff. I love you. He
3: doesn't tell him anything about the fact that he knew James and Lily and they could have really bonded.
1: (laughs) I mean, to be fair, that would be like a lot to dump on a 13 year old boy just out of the blue. Be like, Hey, Harry, come in, sit down. Here's a water demon. I'm your parents' ex-best friend. Do you want to know all about them? I kind of love you already.
3: Well, everybody who meets Harry comments on how he looks exactly like his dad, except for his eyes. And, you know, you say, hey, you remind me of James. And then all of a sudden, Harry's like, how do you know James? Honestly,
0: Lupin probably had a moment of surprise on the Hogwarts Express when, like, all of the Dementor shit resolved mm-hmm. itself and he like was like, who even fainted? And he like looks down and he's like, Fucking James. Oh my god, it's Harry. <laughs> he probably that's probably like when he had his moment and like we didn't get to see it. I just I just I love Lupin so much.
1: I love him so much.
0: He's just nice and <laughs> safe and he's the best of the mar- marauders. He's
1: doing the actual like mentorship thing that good teachers do, unlike everybody else at Hogwarts
0: neither James nor Sirius ever really has the opportunity to just kind of like vaguely look out for Harry in this way. And like Lupin gets to and like, why isn't Lupin like, tell me about these muggles. Are they abusing
2: you? He's one of the few adults other than his Perry's professors that don't seem to have some sort of motive whenever they get Harry by himself. Like all of the adults whether it's because they want to protect him or because they want to talk to him about his, par- you know, like, yeah. for some they want some sort of thing out of him, whether it's good or bad. And, like, Lupin could want more information. He could be wanting to tell him more information. But, like, he just seems to want to get to know him and yeah. enjoy time together.
0: They have, like, a really mild, normal conversation, and then Lupin, like, excuses him. So it, I think he did just want to be like, what kind of kid are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, Lupin shows Harry his new grindy-low. They drink some tea.
1: Hold on. I'm now having a moment where it's like, what if Lupin sat down for a casual conversation, and Harry's just awful. He's, like, a little whiny bitch. And Lupin's like, I'm not even going to tell you I was friends with your parents, because I don't <laughs> want you in my life. <laughs>
0: Like, what if, if it's like Draco Malfoy instead of Harry, yeah. and it's just like,
1: oh. What if he just holds off because he doesn't want anything to do with this kid if he sucks as much as most 13 year old boys do? <laughs> it's
4: possible. It's possible.
0: Even if Harry only sucks as much as Ron, kind of sucks.
1: Like, you just wouldn't want to be like, let's establish a friendship. Yeah, yeah. child. Yeah. <laughs> Harry
0: kind of, like, asks Lupin why he wasn't permitted to fight the Boggart. And, like, duh, Lupin thought it would become Voldemort and be really scary and maybe be all-powerful and come back to life. I don't know. And so Harry feels a lot better having learned that because he, this whole time, thought that Lupin thought he was a little bitch. (laughs) Harry's very worried about who thinks he's a little bitch in this book. (laughs) So then Snape comes in with a goblet of potion for Lupin. And I think when I was a kid reading this for the first time, I had the same reaction as Harry, where I was like, no, <laughs> no, don't
3: do that. That's not good. Well, it's steaming. It's steaming. <laughs> that's, that's never a good sign. <laughs> not even steaming. It's yeah, smoking, smoking. Rather, mm-hmm.
1: Here's the thing. You don't like Snape. But we're now like two and a half years into have, having been around Snape. And like, it's never Snape. Like, yeah. you, if anything, the repeated moments where you thought it was him and it, like, he wasn't actually a bad person, or at least not, like, murderous, Yeah, you would think that eventually they would give up on that. But no, they just dumb.
3: Yeah. He just has to be built up as the guy who could be and he isn't so many times that when he is the guy, like, when he kills Dumbledore, spoiler alert, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, such a big shock because, like, all these years... We thought he was that guy, but then he wasn't. <laughs>
0: as soon as you start being like, maybe Snape really is a good guy, then he yeah. like, yeah, murders Dumbledore. But I think that I think that we've talked before about like, when you're a kid, it's really easy to be like, this guy's a dick, therefore he's also evil. Mm-hmm. And it's like, those don't always go hand in hand. Like the evil guy is sometimes nice, the dick is sometimes actually fighting on your side. And that is just one of the unfortunate realities of life. Mm -hmm. So Snape leaves the potion. Um, Harry kind of, like, panics and starts, like, word vomiting. (laughs) He's like, oh, Snape likes the dark arts. (laughs) (laughs) And Lupin's like, cool. And then starts talking about some other shit. And Harry's like, yeah, he, like, really likes him and he wants your job. And, like, he's he's trying to be, like, you shouldn't (laughs) drink that without saying, like, you shouldn't drink that.
3: Yeah. Meanwhile, Lupin's, like, gulping it down, and Harry's just sitting there horrified. Lupin's like, this is the only thing that's
0: preventing me from tearing your jugular out right now, small child.
3: Well, it's like, Snape's
1: being, like, actually a really good dude here. Like, you know, there's some weird history in their background, and he's basically being, like hey, I'm going to put all that aside for the safety of the students and the safety of yourself. I'm going to help you manage this condition you have, and I'm going to be quiet about it.
0: Yeah, well, Dumbledore definitely had a hand in that setup. But you're right, that Snape is doing
2: it. I wonder, do they ever go into, later in the book, I don't remember, into exactly what it takes to make this potion? Because Lupin says, I'm very lucky there aren't many wizards who are up to making it, which is a weird Way to word it, unless you mean like it takes some sort of
3: effort. That's not just mixing things together. I remember reading this. I don't know. Uh, this may not be in the books, but in like the lore of the mm-hmm. books, um that the potion requires ingredients that are really expensive, and that was one of the things that Dumbledore promised Lupin was the potion that if he would come and work for but, him. But like
2: that still doesn't like. Aren't many wizards who are up to who are up to making it? Not just able to make it, but who are up to make it. You say that when you mean like they don't have the energy right now to, to tackle that or something.
3: It may be just like a British way of saying things. I don't know. <laughs> so
0: the Wolf'sbane potion. Is an innovative and complex potion that relieves but does not cure the symptoms of lycanthropy, which I love that phrasing. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, pretty standard symptoms of lycanthropy. <laughs> um, this is from harrypotter.fandom.com. Potter.fandom.com. Um, the main ingredient in the Wolfsbane potion is Wolfsbane, also referred to as aconite or monk's hood. Um, as such, this potion is very dangerous when incorrectly concocted as aconite is mm. a very poisonous substance. The way mo- one must imbibe it is very unique among potions in that it a goblet full of wolfsbane potion must have been taken each day for a week preceding the full moon. I was wondering about this because I was like, he probably shouldn't be like meeting alone with a student on the night of a full moon, even with the potion. And he's not. Right. The full moon is like three days from now or whatever. It was extremely difficult to make. The potion is extremely difficult to make as Slughorn believed that even Damocles Belby couldn't have invented it without immense effort on Slughorn's part. Wow. And the ingredients are very expensive, which makes it difficult for some werewolves to brew it themselves as they usually live in poverty due to their difficulty in finding stable careers. So that's what you were talking about, Nav. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of reasons. Basically, Snape's just chilling around with all these potions and ingredients. I mean, nobody
3: can argue that he is a good person like he's good at making potions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's not good at teaching how to make potions but he's Certainly good not. at making yeah them.
0: <laughs> he's a very skilled wizard in a lot of different ways yeah yeah that we like don't really get to see until later honestly it's like you kind of don't realize how much of a good like how good of a wizard snape is until Later, and for me,
3: until he flies out of window. That's exactly
0: what I was about <laughs> to cite. Is that one scene where he is like getting ousted by Professor McGonagall? No one knows that he's been on their team the whole time, and he knocks out both of the bad guys behind him as he flies out the window. And it's like he had
2: to figure that out in a split second. Whatever. I think that's why. That's yeah. Like his first class, he talks about the subtle art of potion making. Versus that like silly wand waving. And I think that's a that's a regular point of um, frustration for him. Yeah, that that there is a lot it but takes a lot of skill enough to, to make teach. those. <laughs> it takes a lot of skill to make those potions correctly and a lot of magic goes into it. Mm-hmm. But you don't get to see it because it's not a fun thing that you can really battle people with, you know?
1: Yeah. I think the point about him not being patient enough to each though i find him to be patient enough for people who already have an aptitude it's like like a hard-ass calculus teacher that's like i'm not gonna stop and explain this for you there will be those of you that understand calculus and those of you that barely pass and very little in between
0: and it's that teacher is the reason that i didn't get into stem (laughs) right right? i was like i guess i just it's impossible i guess
3: yeah, it's it's kinda like math, how if you have if you struggle with math yourself, it's better to have a teacher who doesn't inherently understand math. Mm. Well, I wasn't that kid because I like I said, I was like always very logical and math kind of made sense to me, but then I would have a teacher who kind of struggled with it themselves and they had these like kind of shortcuts or like ways of doing it that were other than what I had been doing, and those would always be weird to me. But they would help the other kids. It's kind of like
0: how someone who learns English as a second language tends to have like a more technical understanding of it than any native English speaker because right. it's like they had to learn the grammar of it.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm learning Spanish and French right now. Way to go. And I don't know what any of the tenses are in like they're like oh this is the subjunctive and i'm like what the hell is no one knows what a
0: subjunctive (laughs) is until you get to college level grammar classes, Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) exactly tenses and stuff it's like they don't even exist in english because you don't think about well
0: and some of them just straight up don't exist we don't That's have a true. future that tense. It's so freaking annoying. Any language that allows <laughs> for the con- a construct, including had had, is a nightmare language. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. I hate it so much. I just finished editing a book where the author one hundred percent, with like one hundred percent resisted contractions. Like they're oh. like this is this oh. is writing, and so like just littered with had heads. <laughs> So Lupin kind of just glosses over Harry's like ominous warning because Lupin is just like, man, you don't know the half of it. (laughs) And then he just like dismisses Harry. He's like, well, I'm busy. You should leave. (laughs) So cool. We kind of like smash cut to later in the common room. Ron and Hermione are back. They've brought Harry lots of sweets and Harry is like dishing about Snape's potion their friends again. They go down to the feast. The Great Hall is all decorated for Halloween, including live bats, which, which is like is, cool,
1: cool and terrible. That's a massive rabies risk. Mm. Well, they have a spell for that. I do want to just quickly note that they're talking about the wonders of Hogsmeade. And Hermione mentions that there are there's a post office of just a bunch of different color coded owls depending <laughs> on it. the speed
3: oh, and i yes. i love
1: everything about being able to as a wizard have the choice to ship something like flat rate express owl
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then there's like the old sleepy owls that are like local delivery only yeah <laughs> So Harry is intensely monitoring Professor Lupin for symptoms of having been murdered via potion. (laughs) Um, But it looks okay. So they're just like eating dinner. It's nice. It's Halloween. The ghost put on a performance, including synchronized gliding. It's like the rockets.
1: I I love that. I just... And Nearly Headless Nick does a reenactment of his own botched beheading. Botched. Which... Uh minimalist ghost theater sounds even worse than freshman collegiate black box theater yes oh my god
0: <laughs> the ghosts have had oh. nothing but time to rehearse this and like just <laughs> who <laughs> just like ne- you, like you know he's really like self-absorbed and like he probably he probably has rehearsed a lot and he is like this is my moment
1: this is my opus <laughs> I'm imagining him taking, like, gratuitous sides to be like, and thus I thought, didst the headsman know truly his heart? You know what I mean? Well, and you know he did one of those really drawn-out,
0: like, dying scenes where he just, like, keeps screaming and twitching and twitching and screaming.
1: And I imagine just throwing red ribbon in spools out of the <laughs> students. Oh
0: no, my head. It is but half-severed. <laughs> So they all get up to go back to the common room, but there's a crowd around the fat lady portrait. Um, And Percy shoves his way to the front of the crowd. Make way, head boy, head boy, make way. (laughs) It's me, (laughs) the head boy. Um, And then his voice gets really serious and he's like, someone go get Dumbledore ASAP.
1: Do you think that Penelope Clearwater ever used the line, I'm about to give you head, boy. Uh,
0: <laughs> oh my. I hope so. <laughs> I think probably. For a couple like Penelope and Percy, puns are just straight up flirting, you know? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Weren't they prefects, though? They were only prefects in the Harry second They may year. still
0: be dating. We don't know.
3: She probably dates him up until right, he becomes a fascist. And then she's like, I don't date fascists. <laughs> right. She's got standards. Yeah, I...
0: I want to know more about Penelope Clearwater. I got nothing but faith in this girl. She went on to do great things after she was head girl. Is she head girl?
1: I don't believe so. Yeah, I think she?
0: so. I'm gonna look it up. I think Penelope so. Penelope Clearwater. Penelope
1: Clearwater. I just love in general trying to imagine what their flirtatious letters sounded like
3: to each other. <laughs> <laughs> i got a got an a on this exam <laughs> or whatever what's their what's the best score they can it's
0: like get oh for outstanding oh, i that? love when they get into that whenever they did whenever they do that and it's like t for troll and f is for fantastic <laughs> for or something <laughs> um she is not a she's not head girl so that's probably why percy dumped her
1: mm. yeah either that or it got into some like real heavy like Dom sub play, you know, where it's like, I'm the head boy. You're (laughs) just a student,
0: man. I didn't like hearing that with like this picture. I just pulled up of him looking just like (laughs) really old and tired.
4: Ah.
1: (laughs) Also, I could see Percy just breaking up with her to try to date the head girl just as like a pure clout chasing.
0: Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's fine. We don't need to know who it is. We probably don't know her. Who is she?
1: I think Percy. Percy's sexuality is Ritz cracker.
0: (laughs) What? I don't know what that means, but it made me laugh
1: anyway. (laughs) It's just like a little bit crunchy, very crumbly, but there's like a weird oily sheen on top of it. (laughs) Oh,
0: God. I hate it. I hate everything about it. Oh, (laughs) dash nasty. Okay, Percy is really being a leader in this moment. Okay, let's show some respect. <laughs> yes. Okay. So Dumbledore arrives. Dumbledore has
2: arrived. The timing of that is so absurd. Like he, he had to he have says, like already known. They're they're trying well, they're trying to lean in. The Golden Tree are trying to lean in and see what's going on. And in that time, Percy goes to see what it is, says, Someone go get Dumbledore. Someone goes to get Dumbledore. Comes back with Dumbledore, mm-hmm. and then the trio finally are able to see what's going on.
4: Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Well, Dumbledore, like the crowd parts to make way for Dumbledore, and that's how the trio gets into the front.
0: Percy has to say, Make way for head boy, but Dumbledore just arrives and people part for him.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I imagine because his
1: beard smells kind of weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Talk about oily and crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> So they all, yeah, they, at this time, they get a good look at the portrait, which has been like slashed and stabbed. It's been attacked. Dumbledore is like, we need to find the fat lady and figure out what happened. And then Peeves says, you'll be lucky. What? Is he saying you're going to have a hard time finding her? Is that what Peeves is saying? Okay. Yeah. Dumbledore asks him to explain, and even Peeves can't disobey Dumbledore, although he does deliver this news upside down through his legs.
1: Imagine telling Albus Dumbledore. (laughs) That Sirius Black has been in the castle whilst presenting him with your
4: ass.
1: (laughs) Only Peeves. I think Dumbledore likes it.
0: Dumbledore's like, cheeky bastard. I'm going to keep you around. (laughs) Yeah, so Peeves is like, it was Sirius Black. And, yep, that's the end of it. I miss Peeves in the movies.
3: I know. I know. He is the best thing that the movie's left. This opportunity gives
0: the Fat lady, the, like, some time to do a little bit of acting. She's, like, hiding in that safari painting. Uh-huh. And she's doing, like, a dramatic delivery. She's like, everyone's looking at me. Oh, my God. um, Let me tell you about the traumatic experience I just had.
3: But this event is going to lead to Sir Cadigan being the guard of Griffin. Oh, my God. Oh, I forgot right. about that. <laughs> or Sir Cadigan, as somebody said on, on your that's
0: podcast. Me. Yeah, that was Brooke.
3: Yes, Sir Kadagan. I've never heard I'm, that. Of I
0: need to
1: investigate the bonus content on the DVD. <laughs> so, Peeves was originally cast in the movies. So oh, this yeah. This is an FYI. Yeah. They cut it for I, I get it. Like, I get it. It's just sad. I almost don't get it because the fact that they just, like, they cast, like, a normal adult actor. Like, I think of Peeves as being an impish character. Yeah. Right? And they, they yeah. just cast, like, a 50-some-odd-year-old British comedian. Yeah. It would have to be the right kind of 50-odd-year-old British comedian. Like, a froggish one. Yeah. Because that's what I'm thinking, is, like, in this particular scene, like, imagine just, like, a 50-year-old dude (laughs) being like, look at my bum-bum, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I would almost,
0: like, need him to be a fully animated
1: character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think part of the reason that Peeves may have been cut, personally, is just like, it would have been jarring to see an adult human behaving in the way that Peeves does.
3: That's fair, but my favorite, like, my absolute favorite chapter is in the fifth book when the twins, like, bust out of Hogwarts. Yes. And, like, that could have not been the same without Peeves. Like, it's just not the same. Well,
0: and there's also the scene where he's, like, unscrewing the chandelier and Professor McConaughey is oh, like, and unscrews yes.
3: the other way. Yes. Yes, and that's the same book, I think.
0: (laughs) We talk a lot about how a lot of characters that feel really three-dimensional in the books get, like, flattened in order to make way for the plot in the films, and I honestly think that Hogwarts is one of those characters, yeah, in the in the book true. it really feels like Hogwarts is a character with a personality and I, I really feel that peeves is an extension of that along with walls pretending to be doors and trick staircases and like all these <laughs> things that like make the make Hogwarts like really feel like it has a history and like a like a mo- motive not a motive but like a like something that drives it it mm-hmm. like it, it's tra- it's like an active participant in these stories and in the movies it's like just a castle. And I think, like, the absence of peeves is, like, a big part
3: of that. At the Battle of Hogwarts, like half of their defenses are the castle itself and because it like comes to Mm -hmm. life and there's like suits of armors running around and desks chasing people and you know all these random things that are not like wizards doing it but just the castle is doing it.
0: Man I just got chills thinking about y'all know what I'm about to say when
3: Professor McGonagall calls down the statues and
0: they slam it to the ground and she's like do you do to your you school and then we're all weeping and that's why I cannot casually watch the seventh and eighth movie. I just can't do it. I can't just like, whenever it's like, what Harry Potter do you want to watch? I'm never going to say the seventh or the eighth. Like I'm, we're not doing <laughs> it. I don't have it in me.
1: See, I was more thinking like, what if Beauty and the Beast only exists because like magical items are allowed to retire from Hogwarts at some point and they'll just like go live there. <laughs> I love, I love that, that
2: idea. I was actually going to ask if you guys could think of another um, story where the setting is so much a character and that would be that's obviously an example right there
1: beauty and the beast Fern gully
0: oh my god yes the the night circus which i'm not sure if anyone here has read Mm -hmm. it's like the first line of the book is the circus comes without warning and it's like it's like this it's it's a circus it's a circus
4: It's, it's a
0: circus with a personality okay and there's something else i feel like i really recently was talking to like grace or someone about like the setting is a character or like the setting is the point what the fuck was i talking about
2: is are you talking about that um horror one that you guys like a lot the haunting of hill house yeah
0: okay that's a, that is another great example where the house is like mm. that one's a little funny though because it's like also the family is doing shit yeah. um oh i guess i can't remember what i was recently talking about with grace or someone <laughs> Huh. So, is there anything else about this chapter that we, like, didn't touch on? Anything we want to elaborate on? I was about to say any predictions. I'm a fucking idiot. We've all read these books a lot.
1: <laughs> I predict that on the 14th of February, you are going to come into a pasta dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, what a happy Valentine's Day. I always think that because I always like to make pasta for Valentine's Day. Oh,
0: Cool. Well, let's move on to some plugs. Brooke, will you go first?
1: Okay, I'm going to plug something very Richmond-specific, so sorry about that. Don Sebastian salsas are incredible. Um, you can find them at the South of the James Farmers Market. Um, they also have a location in Midlothian. You can go and pick up salsas. They're like very hot salsa. They're like top of the line. Makes me literally sweat while I'm eating it, which is like. <laughs> That's a specific vibe for specific people that like very spicy things. Yes, but
3: like I am with you there. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. Until my nose is running, I don't like the spice. Like it has to be that spicy. That's the only time I enjoy it.
1: <laughs> I, I like like a very spicy spice, and it is the most delicious salsa. I can't stop eating it. It is absolutely amazing. If you're in the area, go get your salsa. You can find me. Uh, <sighs> Oh my god. My brain just dipped out and I almost said you can find me at your girl of the world and I was like. I a person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for plugging me. Oh my god, best friends.
1: Um you can find me at Passion for Parks on Instagram. On Twitter, you can find me at Grumpy Brook. Both of my pages are set to private right now because I am casually applying for jobs. If you Ask to follow, I will let you in. Um, I'm not, like, a gatekeeper. I just need people to not know anything about me so that they consider seeing me in a professional
0: company. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Valid.
2: Yeah, valid yeah. as hell. Yes. Mary Payton, how about you? Um, so I'm going to plug something that I have already plugged, but I feel more strongly about it now. <laughs> okay, great. Which is Lovecraft Country, the show on HBO, and... Have any of y'all seen it? God damn.
4: Uh, You already
0: asked me this in my defense one time today already before now. I know. Christina's already going to hear this. I refuse to feel ashamed now because I already felt ashamed
2: before. Well, you're going to get a double (laughs) plug today, Christina. (laughs) That sounds really dirty. Um, Mm. I like a double plug. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think I plugged it before because I watched the first couple episodes and loved it. But my at-home internet situation is very very iffy so it's been hard to actually continue with it but my husband and I did the other night and it is one of the most if not the most incredible tv show i've ever seen it combines all these different genres fantasy sci-fi horror historical it's it's really beautiful and it's set to like the civil rights movement to the background um of that and i can literally i told Christina this earlier but like there was one episode near the end of it where I literally burst out sobbing and I have never done that in my life. It was such a weird sensation, but it was so intense and beautiful and also incredibly sad, but just like so well done. <sighs> Anyways, you won't, you won't just cry through the whole thing. It's also very happy and <laughs> and, and fun sometimes too, but like. Crying can be cathartic. Like, yeah. just, I could not recommend it more. So Hell good. yeah. Um, you can follow me at Richmond Reads um, on Instagram um, or on Twitter at Crook and Nice. It. Yeah.
0: Now, do you want to plug something you've been watching, reading, playing, enjoying lately?
3: Sure. Okay, so I'll say the podcast stuff first. Come listen to my podcast. It's called A Song of Ice and Fire Symposium. Very long title. I'm not good with titles, okay? Just I love go. it. It sounds very, <laughs> like, educational. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. I just like the word symposium, so I wanted to put it, you know, in something. So I was like, what's more pretentious than a song of ice and fire? <laughs> um, but it's the, if any of you don't know, it's the book series that Game of Thrones is based on. And as always, the books are better. So come listen to me lead my co-host, Harmith, through the series. Mm-hmm. And when I say that she doesn't know anything, I mean it. She knows Oh my God. So (laughs) Christina was on our podcast and I was sick for a while so I haven't been able to edit but it's going to come out in a little bit. Keep an eye out for that. It was so much fun. (laughs) So uh, go check that out and if you want to follow our social media that's at Pop Symposium on Twitter and at Pop Culture Symposium on Instagram. Okay, enough of that. Now let's talk about some fun stuff. (laughs) Some other fun (laughs) stuff. Uh, I want to plug... Wanda Vision, it is so delightful. It's like the escape I've been looking for this whole COVID, you know, season, and it's just a lot of fun. If any of you are Marvel MCU fans, check it out. It is so good. (laughs) Hell yeah, awesome.
0: I was kind of worried, but I'm glad. It sounds like a lot of people are really enjoying it, so I know I need to get on it. Yeah,
3: it's a very different format than like you know what you're used to. But it's it's so cool. <laughs> cool.
0: I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at your girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at Christina Khan. And today, I just finished reading. Wayside School gets a little stranger. It's, oh the, my third. God, yes. <laughs> it's the third sideways stories from Wayside School book. And like they just, each book keeps getting a little bit stranger. I've read the trilogy so slowly. I've been, <laughs> the trilogy, it's like a grand total of 200 pages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I've, I think I've mentioned this before on the cast, but like ever since I started working from home about a year ago, I, I have a bathroom book and I keep a book of short form fiction or like whatever in the bathroom so that you know I could just take a little two minute break read a little
4: short story
3: (laughs) yeah better than scrolling social
0: media exactly (laughs) and so I that I've been reading those books like exclusively on the toilet for almost a year
3: well it's your toilet book
0: so what (laughs) they're just so fun if you're the kind of person who like enjoys like nonsensical middle grade writing it's like it's definitely a vibe I don't think I could have read all three of them straight through because it's like okay let's this is not it's nonsense (laughs) but they're super fun so I, I really recommend the whole trilogy if you need a little like like refresher from reading a serious book a lot of my friends are in reading slumps right now so try that and yeah if you're in a reading slump and you are looking for a book to like get you back into reading hit me up and like, I, like, I'm like, I have so many books to recommend. I've read thousands of books.
3: Is that true? I'm going to message you because me I up. need that.
0: Hit me <laughs> up. Um, yeah, I just have so many little books in my brain. And I'd love to tell you about all of them.
3: We'd love to hear about them. <laughs> I speak for the entire audience.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, it's like kind of like a boring chapter. And then it, it just gets real dramatic at the end. <laughs> He's in the school. We're getting Oh my god! I was about to say we're getting yes. serious now. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> I'll see myself
4: out. <laughs> am Grim-
3: serious. Now, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was so oh, much fun. Thank you for having me. This was honestly so much fun. Yes. And you know when you can talk openly about something, it's the best because you don't have to filter your thoughts and be like, "Oh, does this person know this is going to happen?" Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure that's
0: really hard for you on the the yes. symposium.
3: I'm getting I'm getting
0: better at it yeah but just still don't say uh, anything uh, generally <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's the end of the episode uh quick get out of your portrait because Sirius Black is coming to stab you the restricted section was created and hosted by me Christina Kahn based on the book series by J.K. Rowling all music by Ryan Kahn logo by Michael Hardison Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at restrictedsectionpod or shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. Okay, I don't have an illustration of the flubberworm, but I do have have this bad boy, the grandilo. Pretty cool. That thing's scary. This thing grabs Harry in the lake when he's doing his um, oh, Triwizard yeah. the second task, and you can. I feel like looking at this, you're like, oh, that thing would be hard to shake.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say that on the less threatening side, it does look like a frog with claws.
0: But but it has like it has prehensile. Like that's the thing. It's like a frog with like grippy. Man, you know, <laughs> man. I learned the word prehensile. (laughs) I have like a, I just had like a traumatic flashback. I learned the word prehensile, what that means. Within the last year when I was, I'm so sorry that I'm about to say this to you, but I was, I learned that a whale's penis is prehensile. (laughs) It can grasp.
3: No. No. Please, I, I'm gonna have nightmares. <laughs> Beware on the whaling boat. I don't like this. <laughs> oh my god, that
2: gives new meaning to Moby Dick. Well, okay.
3: okay. All
1: right. All right.
3: <laughs> you know, I love swimming, but the more I find out about the ocean, the less I want to be in it. <laughs> it's a
1: nightmare. I want to see Aquaman casually swimming by a whale and just get dick grabbed,
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> like the Kraken. But it's just like, oh, my like, okay. <laughs> oh my god! Oh uh. my god!